stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Okay, well, look, in fairness to the government, here's one of those issues where they're being pulled in two different directions. We expect the government to be prudent with spending right now. The idea of, for example, a wage freeze on public servants seems like a pretty logical thing to do. But when we look at what's happening in uh, our justice system, we got a big problem right now because, of course, there's an expectation now, and it comes directly from the Supreme Court of Canada, that cases be handled within a reasonable time frame. Uh, And if that cannot be met, well, those charges cannot go forward. We've seen a lot of cases collapse uh, because we're unable to get them to trial in time. So we got quite a backlog we're dealing with right now, and it's meant quite a burden on Crown prosecutors to handle these caseloads and to try to get them to trial in a, in a reasonable time frame. To help address that problem, the Alberta government has recently uh, made the decision to add more Crown prosecutors, which is obviously going to entail some cost. But in the meantime, we're still losing Crown prosecutors because some have just had enough. Because they're dealing with both the wage freeze and an increased workload. And for some, the option of going to another province and earning more as a Crown prosecutor or earning more as a defense attorney has a lot of appeal. So the Alberta Crown Attorneys Association is sounding the alarm about this problem, in particular as we're seeing it, even more acute in rural areas. Damien Rogers is a treasurer for the Alberta Crown Attorneys Association, and he joins us on the line here this afternoon. Damien, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Oh, you're welcome. I mean, it sounds like this has been brewing for some time. Obviously, the Jordan decision of the Supreme Court has been a big factor in what's been happening lately. But give us kind of the lay of the land. What are prosecutors dealing with right now? Well, it's been uh, uh, an issue that I think the government has been making attempts to address. And the minister um, announcing last week a plan to hire um, some additional Crown prosecutors in the regions. Um, You may recall we spoke about a year ago about... Um, resource and concerns that our association had at that time. And uh, around that time, um, March of last year, the minister announced that um, the government would be filling positions that it had left vacant to try and save money. Um, And they have been hiring uh, over the last year. There are more Crown prosecutors working in the province now than there were one year ago. Um, But we are still seeing that our caseloads are high. And our clearance rate um, is below 100% in a lot of offices. And what that means is that um, there are more files coming in than are being resolved. Which is concerning. Now, on top of that, though, as you say, we are adding more prosecutors, but but we're losing prosecutors, too. Understand that in the past year, we've lost about 20 prosecutors from, from rural offices. Yes, and uh, a number of those have been refilled, but of course what happens when they're refilled is that we're often hiring um, uh, more junior people than we've, than we've lost. Um, and that seems to be that loss um, of talent and experience seems to be accelerating, particularly in the smaller regional offices. So since the start of this year, um, we've seen six prosecutors in regional offices who have left the prosecution service entirely, um, most of them to other provincial prosecution services um, and the like. So why is it it harder than uh, recruiting and keeping people outside of Edmonton and Calgary? 
I mean, it's always been the case that there's been a flow of prosecutors. Often uh, our prosecution service would hire to regional prosecutions positions, and at some point in time those people would decide that they preferred to work in Edmonton or Calgary, and so we would see a flow from our smaller offices into the major cities. Um, what seems to be different right now is that we're seeing people not just leaving uh, to come to the city, but they're leaving the prosecution service entirely. And part of the reason that seems to be happening is um, a combination of workloads and salary. The government imposed a salary freeze on management and other non-union employees um, in early 2016. What it means, and they've, they've recently extended it, what it means is that uh, no... Uh, movement of salaries has been happening for prosecutors uh, since April 1st of 2015, and that's not expected to end until September 2019 under the current government's plan. Of course, that probably falls after the next election, so we'll see what happens. But what that means is that people are leaving prosecution service in Alberta and going to jobs in other provinces where they get a raise of ten or $20,000 a year because all of their experience is recognized there and it's not being recognized here. So in terms of the pay freeze, though, because there is a pay grid, right, for for prosecutors? There is. People are being held at the step uh, that they were at on April 1st of 2015. So they're not moving up the grid. Exactly. Whereas, okay, so then in other provinces, they have the opportunity to do so. Exactly. So what we have is uh, a prosecutor who was... uh, um, you know, a first-year prosecutor as of April 2015 is still getting paid the same amount now that they were then, um, and uh, uh, a new hire with um, uh, with no experience is coming in at the same salary as them. So, you know, it creates morale problems and it creates retention problems. Right, and presumably, then they're doing a lot more in terms of workload today than they were in 2015. And. And and the reason that those grids were created is clearly to recognize that people become more competent, more useful as prosecutors um, as they gain experience. And particularly in the first couple of years, that uh, um, is really noticeable. Right. So what's the consequence of of not addressing this? I mean, already, and we've heard about, you know, with some cases that that just aren't dealt with uh, in a reasonable amount of time, cases that are are falling by the wayside. I mean, is it is that problem going to become more acute if we don't deal with this? I think that we are um, doing a, a fairly good job as a prosecution service at recognizing um, uh, the most important cases that we manage uh, and um, avoiding delay problems in respect of the most serious cases that we manage. So I, I hope that we will not see um, uh, you know, dismissals for delay on our most important cases. What we are seeing, though, is that uh, we are continuing to um, triage files. We're continuing to withdraw um, or stay provable matters um, that are at the less serious end of the spectrum, usually, um, because we simply don't have the people to, to handle them. Well, yeah, I mean, because the, the Jordan decision obviously applies right across Canada. It's not certainly not unique to Alberta. So does that suggest that, that other provinces are having uh, an easier time adjusting to this new reality? I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I, I mean, I think all jurisdictions are having uh, uh, challenges adapting to 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 this uh, uh, decision that the Supreme Court uh, made. Um, we do find that when we try to measure workload uh, across Canada, 
um, that Alberta's prosecution service is likely one of the busiest in the country. Um, and uh, uh, certainly recovering from the period where we were under our staffing targets um, has uh, has had an impact as well. So it sounds like, I mean, it's the kind of thing that's going to take some time to fix, right? This is not something we can we can address overnight. Absolutely. And I mean, we're happy to see that the minister has recognized in the regions that uh, more people are needed. Um, the regional prosecution's offices have caseloads that are um, substantially higher than Calgary and Edmonton's caseload uh, in terms of number of cases they manage. And hopefully eight to ten new people uh, which is what the minister announced, will assist with that. Um, we just wanted to respond and note that getting the right 8 to 10 people is a challenge in the current environment. Well, I suppose it would be, because when we hear that the Alberta government is going to add X number of Crown prosecutors, does that mean these are, are brand-new prosecutors uh, that, are, that are young, that are inexperienced, or are we able to recruit more experienced people from other provinces? Uh, some of the recruiting that has been done has been uh, people with some past prosecution experience. Um, so we do see some people coming in from other provinces. Um, uh, we have also seen some defense lawyers who have some experience in the criminal justice system choosing to become prosecutors. Um, but uh, certainly our prosecution service is more junior now than it was uh, five years ago. Um, and. Uh, though these are intended to be additional positions, so an increase in the total complement, we also have vacancies that need to be filled. As I mentioned, there were about six people who have left the regions just in the last uh, three months and mostly gone um, out of province. All right, well, we'll leave it there uh, for now. Damien Moore at albertacrownattorneys.ca. Thank you for making some time for us here today. I appreciate this. Thank you for speaking to us. Here you go. This is Damien Rogers, skin treasurer of the Alberta Crown Attorneys Association. So yeah, I mean the government's in a tough spot. I think I give them some 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 slack on that. That's certainly something they inherited. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Alberta government, this was on today. Now, obviously, it's been a little awkward for for the Alberta government because Sapora Berman, prominent environmentalist, who they put on this uh, this committee to review the cap that's going to be imposed on the oil sands. Sapora Berman is part of these protests in BC against the Kinder Morgan pipeline. And, of course, the opposition have pounced on that fact. Uh, Environment Minister Shannon Phillips, speaking with reporters today, was asked about that. Had some interesting things to say. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask your reaction to the blockade over the weekend and the involvement of supporter Berman and, uh, and uh, Kara Mahan. Well, I, I think it's obvious from the very beginning uh, that uh, on, on the matter of uh, uh, the pipeline, uh, I have sharply disagreed uh, uh, with both of those uh, uh, women's views and will continue to do so. And we are uh, uh, obviously uh, keen to see this uh, uh, particular piece of infrastructure move forward, and it will move forward. Uh, but I mean, the reaction, I mean, Jason Kenney tweeted, on the re tweeted again on the weekend about the fact that these, these two women were involved in the Oil Sands Advisory Committee. Here they are again, like imposing pipeline. Well, of course, their work concluded in 2016, and, and uh, uh, they undertook that work in partnership with uh, uh, the former chair of the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers, Sinovas, Shell, CNRL, ConocoPhillips, and others, uh, in order to give the government advice on the uh, implementation of the cap on oil sands uh, uh, emissions, and uh, uh, more broadly, uh, uh, the uh, the issue of uh, carbon pricing. And uh, so, of course, uh, uh, they were involved in some of that work in the early days uh, and 
said we have no relationship with them now. But aren't you concerned, though, this continues to give the opposition political fodder that, you know, they are continuing to oppose this pipeline? And, uh, and it just reflects back on your government? I'm concerned that Jason Kenney is cheering for Alberta to fail. I am concerned that uh, uh, Jason Kenney uh, uh, continues uh, to fan these flames uh, of, uh, uh, of opposition uh, to the pipeline. I believe that uh, uh, in many ways he has more in common with uh, Zipporah Berman than I ever have. How so? Well, I, I think that uh, he is continually cheering for Alberta to fail. Is he and, uh, is really? Well, yes, he is. How so? I, well, I, I, I don't I see I mean, that. he just continues to, uh, 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 to uh, 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 you know, discuss the delays and so on rather than saying okay this project is moving forward as we have uh, 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 the position that we have taken you know I- okay so a few things here people are going to have their own assessment of how half full or half empty the glass is it pertains to the trans mountain pipeline to point to delays is not the same as cheering for it to fail so that that seems like an odd way of trying to turn this back on, on Jason Kenney Here's the problem, and, and it was a gamble that the government took, and it's a gamble that backfired, right? They, they took the gamble that if we can include people like Sapporo Berman on the Oil Sands Advisory Group, it will have more legitimacy in the eyes of environmentalists. But in doing so, you gave her more profile. You elevated her. You made her more prominent. You made it more relevant what she says and does. So when someone like that goes to the Kinder Morgan Trans Mountain protest... It's more noteworthy because we've elevated her profile. We've made her even more prominent than she was before. So that's where this has come back to bite the government of the you-know-what. All right, 974-8255 is our number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.